What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagan. To my left, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, Dave. What's going on with you? Oh, you know, just trying to recover from a, another crazy weekend of football. By the way, is this a mic? That is a mic. I mean, well, I'm talking into it. It's recording the audio. So is it actually a mic or? <laughs> I see where you're going with this. Sorry, I had... Something has to be done. NFL changed the rules. Anyway, folks, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. We got semifinal action to talk about. We got the Celebration Bowl, who, which stole the weekend of college football. Um, and we got a lot to talk about. But don't forget, you can t- check out all of the material that you want from Football Game Plan on footballgameplan.com slash kickoff. We are on youtube.com slash footballgameplan. Emory's always got some great stuff going up on YouTube. We are on iTunes. Search Football Game Plan Podcast. Subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. We're also on SoundCloud, so you can listen to us wherever you are, in the car, at work, at school, wherever you want to do. And we are on Twitter, at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and at FBall Game Plan. Emery, let's start it off. You were a busy man this weekend. Did you get your uh, get your fellowship and grits, or...? No, I didn't. You know what happened? I went down... <laughs> oh, come I was on. upset. I went downstairs to the bar. As soon as I got there, right, I went downstairs... I was like, okay, they hand, handed me the menu, and I, I saw shrimp and grits because I've stayed at that hotel before. I was like, let me get an order of shrimp and grits. Bartender comes back, it's like, wait, uh, this is our old menu. We have we have changed it. I like, all right. She said, like, no, the shrimp and grits is still on, are still on the menu. Let me go in the back and see. You know, once they always go into the back, uh, nothing positive comes back. No, never, N- never. So she comes back and says, oh, we don't have it yet. I was like, damn. So I got a, ended up getting a burger. See, that's like the Seinfeld episode when they're trying to rent a car and they go, to, let me speak to a manager. <laughs> Whenever they're speaking to a manager, they're not talking to a manager. They just want to think, make you think they're exactly. talking to a manager. At least, did you at least get your Chick-fil-A in the stadium? I did not. What? However, if you followed me on Instagram, you saw the godly goodness in that press box at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I'm talking about smoked brisket, 12-hour smoked brisket. You also had burgers. You also had... Uh, Baked macaroni and cheese. Oh, now you're making so, me hungry. <laughs> hey, at least you got that. It's something. You had banana pudding. But, they had everything in there. <laughs> All right, at least you got that. And I'll tell you what, that was a great appetizer to an incredible, incredible game. And it was. An amazing start to college bowl mania, folks. And this was, we knew this was going to be a great game. Top 15 matchup. But you never know. Sometimes games like this, they disappoint. You overhype them. Something goes wrong. Someone gets hurt early in the game, and it just kind of goes away. Not the case. 21-14, North Carolina A&T wins the Celebration Bowl, the first MEAC team ever to go undefeated for a season, going 12-0. and This was an absolute duel, and it was a joy to watch this game. It really was, man. And it felt as, it felt as though it was moving a little bit slow, but that's what happens when you have two great teams. I mean, A&T was 11-0, and and uh, – Grambling was ten and one or eleven and one, something like that, and so it's a it's a rubber match in the beginning of the game. Both teams trying to fill each other out, and then it, it, it sort of uh, resembled last year's game with North Carolina Central mm. and Grambling. That was a ten nine game. So when you have great teams matching up against one another, it's going to be a, a tight game. And what we saw in that second half, both teams got oh. started get rolling, and and the game became close. A lot of big plays, a lot of turnovers. Uh, like forced turnovers that were big plays. So it, it came down to the end, and once again, it was a great game. And the the crowd was a was uh it was heavy. A and T they traveled well, really. 
Yeah, Grambling wow. didn't travel as well, but probably because Grambling had to travel to the SWAC championship game, right? You know, the week before or something like that. So those that's why eliminating the SWAC championship game, in my opinion, should help fill the stands a little bit more. Right. And I yeah. think that's going to be huge. Although twenty five thousand fans is key, I think that's awesome. So I mean, when you talk about this, though, you're looking at, I mean, this fourth quarter you talked about absolutely nuts. You had two turnovers. You had a turnover on downs. You had anywhere you look, anything that could go wrong did go crazily wrong and or right in the fourth quarter. And we said this was going to be a quarterback duel, and it really turned out that way as well. I mean, we talk about two top class, top class quarterbacks in Lamar Renard and Devontae Kincaid. Um, it was just about who could come up in the clutch and get that last score, and it, it it really lived up to the hype between these two. I feel like, and I said this during the game, if Grambling was out there with last year's receiving core with Chad Williams, who now plays for the Arizona Cardinals third-round pick, and Verlin Hunter, who had some of the best hands in the FCS, was routinely making one-handed catches, if he's out there with those guys against this team, it may oh, yeah. be different. Uh, but Grambling's receivers did what they could. They, they were making some great efforts for the football, but that passing game really wasn't getting going. And what was saving Grambling was the fact that Kincaid's legs was keeping plays alive because yes. they really couldn't run the ball. And it's funny because head coach Rob Broadway of A&T said in the press conference prior to the game, like, hey, if you win, if you beat us throwing the football, more power to you. But you're not going to run the ball against the A&T defense. He wasn't lying. This is a team that really shuts down the run and forces you to be a one-dimensional football team. And if you can't win in that one dimension, you're going to have problems. Grambling had issues. And also the turnovers and, and things of that nature really gave A&T those added possessions. Right. And they really proved that they – listen, back to that press conference, when they had the A&T players up on, on the podium, there was no lighthearted answers and we're glad to be here. They were legit focused and upset. They felt as though they were disrespected coming into this game. And all the answers were short to the point. We were ready to kick this off and we're going to win this game. And to be honest, they actually gave a prediction. Uh, I want to say it was Lamar Renard that said, uh, Rainer that said, hey, we're going to win this game. You know, because he, that's how focused they were and that's how upset they were. I don't know who precipitated that that response or what precipitated that response, but they were hella focused, got out there, and took care of business. I was about to say, disrespected how? I mean, you go undefeated, you beat, all, you beat your biggest rival. like I, I, And you beat an FBS team. They're, I think they're the only HBCU in the last two years to win FCS games. They beat uh, Kent State last year, and yeah. this year they beat Charlotte. So I, I, I don't know where they're going to – I wouldn't want them angry. If, if that's the way they play when they're angry, though, I don't want to see that team, but – Markel Cartwright, what a game this young man had as well. 20 carries for 110, and then still gets three catches and another score. Gets two touchdowns by himself. Really had an incredible game. Elijah Bell, I mean, I texted you this. The kid is a baller. He is an absolute – I mean, you could see any one of these guys at playing on Sundays easily, in my easily. opinion. And the the tackles. Brandon Parker, you know, was outstanding. Yeah. On that Markel Cartwright touchdown run where he went untouched, it's because Brandon Parker – basically took the defensive end, turned him left, and walked him to the sideline and cleared a, a, <laughs> big, on, a huge lane. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> exactly. Come on. Escorted him out the club. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. <laughs> and you also look at this uh, A&T team. They're young. Yeah. Cartwright is a sophomore. Uh, um, Raynard is a, is a junior. 
Bell is a sophomore. <laughs> Parker is a senior, so he's gone. Their defense yeah. is young. Yeah. You know, Mac McCain, who had an interception in that game, um, is a freshman. He was a guy that ended the, the game against Charlotte with the pick six. So they're young. Grambling is young. The only seniors they're losing is another great uh, – obviously they're losing three great players in Kincaid, the quarterback, Martez Carter, the running back, and Trent Scott, who played a phenomenal game at offensive tackle. Yes. So those are the three seniors. But Grambling is filled with juniors and sophomores. So we may see these two teams back in this bowl game next year. I was about to say, I think you're looking now at a se- at what ter- could turn into a series right. between these two teams. I-, I could see easily the Celebration Bowl being these two teams the next three years, mm-hmm. without question, just between the guys that are still there that are going to come back and how these teams are obviously reloading. I mean, you talked about it. you got freshmen and sophomores play- making plays. Uh, you mentioned Martez Carter moving on, though. This guy was everywhere. I mean, he's carrying the ball. He's catching the ball. He's doing kick and, kickoff and punt returns. He's going to end up on an NFL roster somewhere because he's just too good at too many places. Um, I just think what you saw here, though, was I don't want to say it's wear on Grambling, having to play that swag title game. And again, A&T, we were wondering, is that rust or is it rest mm-hmm. when they have, you know, they have that extra week off? And I, th- I think it – I don't think it really panned out too much, but it maybe in that fourth quarter, it's that little bit extra bit of energy for A&T. I think that was just enough to get them over the top. Um, but you see here what – Bowl games, I mean, obviously the playoffs are the big thing in the FCS, and we'll talk about this later on, but FCS bowl games, I mean, that this, that game stole the Saturday slate. You had five other FBS bowls going on, plus an FCS semifinal on Friday and Saturday. This was the game that blew everybody away with just how well both teams played, the quality of football on display, and how good, of, how dramatic it was at the end. So that's what people like. People like games that come down to the wire, and all three of these celebration bowls have come down to the final possession. I mean, let's be honest. If you're rooting for your team, you want to see a fifty to nothing blowout. If you're a neutral spectator, and I mean, I'm a, I support, I go for Rutgers, so it, I, I got nobody to root for. <laughs> I, I don't want to see these bowl games with thirty point blowouts. I want to see, I and mean, most of them have been mm-hmm. in, the, in the early going, to be fair. But this one was just absolutely phenomenal to watch. Uh, start to finish. I usually when there's bo- multiple bowls on, I'm flipping between oh, what's going on here, what's going on. There. I stuck to this game. It was just too good not to watch. And uh, I, if these two teams meet up next year, it's going to be absolutely tremendous. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hasegan here with Emory Hunt. We mentioned semifinals. Let's get to the playoffs, Emory. And not, I'm not going to say underwhelming. I'm going to say a bit surprised with how that these two games went. We looked at both of these matchups last week, and we said, okay, I don't know how these are going to go. It looks like it's going to be close. You know, it's going to be at least competitive. Both games were basically over at halftime. I was absolutely shocked. Let's start with the one on Friday. North Dakota State versus Sam Houston State. Jeremiah Briscoe coming back to the Dome. Um, you know, it, it, Walter Payton Award finalist. Has not had a bad game all year. He looked like a walk-on freshman who they found <laughs> off the street in this game. He looked lost. He still threw for two for 230 yards or 280 yards, three interceptions, and North Dakota State just dominated. And we said it before, if you make mistakes against North Dakota State, that's how they punish you. They did more than punish you. They took him to the woodshed on this one. That was ridiculous. It got out of hand so fast. And by that time, I'm I'm kind of – in and out of sleep, you know, because I, I was up 
at 3.30 a.m. that morning traveling down to Atlanta because oh. I had a 6 a.m. flight. There you go. And so by that time, I, you know, I had the whole interview with Coach Bobby Lamb at Mercer. Shout out to Bobby Lamb and Mercer football program. We'll talk about that later. But so by this time, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm trying to stay up to watch the game because I'm thinking it's going to be a, a good game. So I, I'm ready to go downstairs to the, to the bar, get some coffee, come back up, and, and stay up and fight through fight sleep. After the first quarter, I'm like, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going back to sleep. Yeah, I'm like, man, I, I cannot believe <laughs> how fast it got out of hand. This is a Final Four team. And Sam Houston State, you thought last year was bad when they got blown out by James Madison. This was worse because they got physically dominated. And that's the worst thing that could happen. And I'm, I'm and it's time people, because you may not remember this. Uh, how old are you? I'm 26. You may not. You definitely don't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> because Nebraska, back in the, the 90s, early 90s to right. mid-90s, were a legit powerhouse. Oh, yeah. And, the, and if you look at those Nebraska teams, philosophically and outside of the option, because people will hang on the option. Right. But philosophically – they look just like North Dakota State. Yeah. As far as how they recruit, as far as how they play, as far as both sides of the line of scrimmage, how they dominate you up front, they beat them running the football. You know the run is coming, and you cannot stop it. Just like with Nebraska, you knew the run game was coming. It was either option or power option, and you could not stop it. It didn't matter who was the quarterback. It didn't matter who was the tailback. But in this game – it was Brady Anderson, or uh, what was it, Bryce? Bruce Anderson. Bruce Anderson yep. running up and down the field against his cool. Bearcat defense. I'll tell you what, Bruce Anderson, to me, I was waiting to see, all right, who has he just been selected by in the NFL draft? That was a highlight reel just from this game. You don't need to go to his other highlights. 17 carries for 183 and three scores. And by the way, two catches, two touchdowns through the air. He can count it for five scores in this game, not to mention Seth Wilson by the way, how do you go for 24 carries for 194 and don't score? <laughs> that, 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 that one Shout I out to Barry Sanders. That one, <laughs> that one I don't get. Easton Stick, 10 of 17, 164 scores. They I'm took him out of the game. It was like, Easton Stick, you're done. Uh, it, it just like, come on, come on, son. Let's just, just come over here. To, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Just come, you, you need to rest now. It's fine. Uh, and the, uh, defensively. I was absolutely stunned how well they shut down. And, and what it was, they shut down Corey Avery. Yeah. We've talked, you know, everybody talks, Jeremiah Briscoe, number one passing offense in the nation. Rightfully so. But what allows them to do that is running the football effectively. How many 100-yard games has Corey Avery had down the stretch slash into the playoffs? He was held to 10 carries for 42 yards. So if you know he's going to throw the ball, what's going to happen? You're going to get some picks. You're going to get some passes knocked down. You've become one-dimensional. And... North Dakota State, that, that was a master class in how to shut down a high-powered offense. That was I, – I felt like I was watching the Patriots defense out there from several years ago when they just – nobody could score any points. When they had two lockdown corners, and that's the other tidbit of this game. That's the problem. They may be without both starting corners. Both uh, starting corners, not to mention Ty Brooks. Exactly. Who is out for the year. But, I mean, honestly, it didn't look like they needed him. But, again, against a defensive powerhouse like JMU – it could play a pretty big factor. Let's talk about the JMU Dukes a little bit. Because, again, they barely got through, too. They were a little shaky in their right. last couple games. Uh, no. <laughs> this is no problem for us. You know, we were expecting, you know, wait, could this happen? A Dakota marker final for the – no. No, it's South Dakota State, you're staying out in the cold. JMU 51-16 over the Jackrabbits. And, again, 
I mean, as crazy as the fourth quarter was in the Celebration Bowl, the first quarter in this one was just bonkers. You, you Six turnovers. When you, when you text me that, I, you know, I'm at the Celebration Bowl, and I and I'm and you're like, what's the record for turnovers? I'm like, what are you talking about? What's, what could be possibly going? Because I wasn't watching the game. I went back and watched it this morning. I'm like, oh crap! That's what, <laughs> like my goodness. Like that was that explains your text. I was like, why? Is this happening? It was chaos. It was, it was absolute chaos, and I'm sitting there on the couch, and I'm watching this game with my dad, and I'm telling, I'm like, this is blowing up every talking point I had <laughs> about South Dakota State. What was the big thing I said about Taron Christian? He's smart with the football. He doesn't make mistakes. He, you know, he makes pass. He completes a lot of passes. He had six <laughs> interceptions. Are you kidding? I mean, kid, I love you, but why? You're making me look bad here. Uh, but both ways, it was just a, a ridiculous first quarter. And then JMU in the second half, just 30 points. I mean, you don't realize how tough that is, folks, to put up 30 points in a quarter. You have a hard time putting up 21 most times. That's how good JMU was in the second quarter, and it's all because of Marcus Marshall. What a game this young man had. 15 carries for 203 and two scores. What a transfer ad from Georgia Tech was that, oh, right? And he, you know he's loving not playing the triple option anymore. And like, Georgia I can Tech run. is not <laughs> – in a bowl this year partly because they missed that game uh because of the hurricane yes partly because of that but still five and six marshall is at jmu about to play for a national championship and raven green the safety that was one of the uh keys to victory i had in the in the video preview we did where i'm talking about taking away one of their best options in dallas godert yeah raven green playing over top will have to make some plays he had a pick six I believe. Yep, he did. So, him making plays, playing over top, and their offense finding its rhythm. Like, we have now set up the best possible championship game. Yes, by JMU can dominate up front. Their run game is phenomenal. So, you have the best run game, one of the best run games, against one of the best defenses. Strength versus strength there. Defensively, they shut down the run, so does North Dakota State. So you also have strength versus strength on that side because North Dakota State can run the ball yep. against one of the best run defenses. So this is going to be a really good game, and I was shocked at how flat South Dakota State looked. It, you can't put it on weather because they play, in, they play outdoors in the Dakotas. Yep. So you have to look at why were you in this ball game, turn the ball over like that, and why could you not get out of your own way? And granted, some of that credit – goes to JMU for forcing turnovers. Yeah. But you have to find ways to be successful. And South Dakota State has been able to do that all season long, except in this game when they needed it the most. And I'll tell you what, though. I mean, big credit, though, to Jake Winicky though. And coming back, not 100%. Came out of the game, goaded it the same way. Both were pretty banged up. Winicky still got seven catches for 105. So they, they And an that, amazing catch, too. And it, oh, that, was, that was absolutely bonkers. But that – we were, I was wondering, could they shut down that connection, Christian to Winicky? Because that has been that's been their bread and butter. Basically, it's just I'm going to throw the ball, he's going to catch it, we're going to move down the field, and they really they did they slowed it down. They didn't shut it down. They slowed it down, but they just made every other option that Christian made a mistake, and that just absolutely killed them. And then again, JMU Brian Shore, we you know he's gotten a lot of grief this year. He was a field general par excellence. Last yesterday, eighteen to twenty-five for two hundred three, had a tremendous game. With uh, again, he's not going to blow you away, but he wins. He wins games. Period. Now, here's the interesting part because 
you have a championship game that's a rematch from last year. Where and so now you have an angry North Dakota State coming in, and a confident JMU, JMU. coming in. This what a re- great! De- their defense is better this year than it was last year, which is hard to believe, right? I, uh, this is the uh, let's be honest. I mean, we all we like underdog stories. We like you know teams making deep runs. This is the rematch everybody wanted. Bingo! You had a team that's won five straight national titles gets upset in the semis, to, in their home dome. They they were they they had a giant JMU logo probably with a bullseye on it mm-hmm. saying that's the target. That's what they want. I, if they had won, if they had played South Dakota State and won that game, yeah, great rivalry game, revenge for the regular season. It wouldn't have meant that much. If they turn this around and beat JMU, that is going to mean everything to them. But if JMU wins this game, you've got a new dynasty on your hands. Do it's you. the JMU Dukes. And and listen, it, the saying goes: get what you ask for, get it because you ask for it. North Dakota State asked for this game. I'm pretty sure JMU wants this game. They want to continuously prove themselves against the best. Oh, a hundred percent. They the, this is, and you're talking about two. This is a game where you're going to have so many pro prospects too to watch. I mean, the number of scouts at this game is going to be incredible. It's going to be like the East West Shrine Game. There's going to be <laughs> exactly. scouts from every team looking up and down these rosters, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You got some real gems. Shout out to the East West Shrine Game. East West Shrine. I mean, we got we got all bunch of all star games coming up. I'm gonna be all kind of January. I probably I I will be in Jersey. Three days. Yeah, for the show, because you missed me. That, that's all. <laughs> that's all it is. That's all it is. <laughs> that's all it is. Basically all it is. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. we got a couple things to break down. We're going to go a little bit off the field now. Uh, we're going to talk about some uh, some signing day that's coming up. Uh, we Wednesday. Got a, we got our first signing day. Yeah, yeah, there's two of them. Yeah, it's a little bit. I wasn't aware of this either, but we got two signing days. We're going to talk about that, how this will benefit the FCS, and then we're going to talk some hypotheticals. What if the FCS had more celebration bowls? Could it, be, ah, it, it could be fun. Intriguing. Intriguing, let's just say. Folks, again, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We will be back after this commercial break. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now is the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the Internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 19- Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. CSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hasegan here with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Don't forget, folks, you can listen to us on iTunes. Search football game plan in the podcast section. We are on SoundCloud as well. Follow us on Twitter at the FCS kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and at FBall Game Plan for all your FCS and football knowledge. Emery, let's get right into uh, what we were discussing before the break. And it is signing day coming up, incredibly. 
the first signing day of the year, the second signing day that they've added, uh, the NCAA has added this year, uh, coming up on Wednesday, so only a couple days down the pipeline. Um, what are you watching for on the signing day? Is there anything in particular that you're looking forward towards on this? Um, it's interesting because normally signing day is the first Wednesday in February. So you have all kind of mad chaos going on, guys trying to sign, fax machines getting involved. You know, so <laughs> it didn't go through. It didn't it, go through. Exactly. We didn't get the fax. And so adding – I know it puts a, a strain on some coaches, and I can see how. Think about it. Signing day is Wednesday. We're in the middle of bowl season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you got co- – so, for instance, uh, the – I want to say it's the uh, DXL Frisco Bowl, I believe. So, LaTeX and SMU are playing on signing day. So, imagine what is going on with those staffs. Oh, yeah, and imagine the kids. There's got to be kids that are probably considering both schools. Bingo. And and so, now do you wait until February because you want to see these two teams play and make it this? Like, so it's – I can see why it's it's a pain. However, I can also see why it's a benefit. Tell me why. Because you get to – basically secure a good portion of your recruiting class and not have that stress that goes on trying to get everybody signed on signing day in February. So you can split it up essentially. So let's say, for instance, you're North Dakota State and you, you're, you're honing in on 25 athletes. And so you have 20 of those hard commitments that you know are going are gonna to sign. Right, they right. they want to come to NDSU. Yep, you're going to get those guys signed on Wednesday. Okay, that's out the way. You don't have to worry about recruiting until February. So let's say you get 20 signed out the way. Now you have five available scholarships that you can you're going to sign guys on, on the uh, Wednesday in February. So let's say okay, we got our core guys that we want, the 20 right. guys. Right now. We can go toe-to-toe with some battles against Minnesota, against a Kansas, against an Iowa State, you know, those regional battles against some FBS talent. Right. And really go hard in the paint and get those guys signed in because we only got – we could easily hone in on five. We could put our whole staff on five guys to really hone in and try to win some of these recruiting battles and steal away – some FBS talent. So I think that's how it benefits the FCS. Get the majority of your class signed right away because kids – here's here's the issue. You have some kids that uh, – kids that, that don't understand their own value. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get a 17-year-old to see that. Everyone thinks they're better than what they are, right? There's and so many Jerry Rices out there. It's un- not even Everybody fun. runs a 4-3 now coming out of high school, right? Right. So you have a kid that may – that has an offer from, let's say, Wofford. But is thinking he's going to get an offer from he ha- now he has an offer from Wofford has some interest from Charlotte an FBS program right he's probably thinking if I wait it out I'm eventually going to get the offer from Charlotte and I'll sign with Charlotte on February second or February fourth so if if he thinks he's an FBS player but essentially he's an FCS player if he waits. That offer from Wofford may not be there in February. They may say, hey, this kid's taking too long. We have another guy that we want that's interested. We're going to go offer him. Now this kid that was supposed to sign, that they wanted to sign with Wofford in uh, in February, now has no scholarship offers and doesn't have, you know, the Charlotte decided to go elsewhere and offer another player. So he doesn't sign no signing day, and now he becomes a walk-on. So right. it, it, it puts a lot of pressure on the student athletes to say, hey, okay, 
two in the hand is worth more than one in the bush, or however yeah. the saying goes, right? So <laughs> close enough. Close enough. So a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So that's what it, that's what would happen. So if you're a kid right now with a with a hard offer from an FCS program, and you have dreams of playing FBS football, and hopefully a scholarship will come available. No, take the offer, take the for sure money, unless you have guarantees from these FBS programs. Like, no, we're going to offer you once X Y Z happens. But why play that card when you can go somewhere that wants you right now, clearly with a scholarship offer, go play and play well, and you're playing high-level Division One football. And I think the other thing along with that is is there's so much insecurity as well about the FBS level. I mean, how many times do you see a coach that has, you know, has recruited a class, he's got his guys in there, and then the next year after you have a successful season, he moves on to better things. And so as a as a a player that's kind of on the fringe there, as you said, like a fringe player in the FBS. If you if you're going if you think you're going to Auburn or Alabama or Clemson, trust me, they'll let you know. Bingo. You you don't have to if you if you think you're that good and you haven't heard from them, Check yourself in the mirror a little bit. But if you know you're on that fringe and you've got that hard offer, first of all, if you go there and you like it, you like where you're at, where you're at and you're dominating, you might want to stay and you know you're going to play. Two, if you go there and you dominate, some you might be able to transfer. There's still that option to transfer up if a program's like, wait a minute, okay, maybe we should have looked at this kid a little bit more. Let's talk to him and see if he wants to move up in the world. So – I think it, it's definitely a, it's a, an advantage for these FCS programs, as you said, just to make sure, okay, we've got our base. Now let's see if we can play. Like, let's see if we can gamble a little bit. You know, if you're in North Dakota State, let's try to play a little bit in Minnesota, maybe even Wisconsin. You know, if you're in Eastern Washington, let's see if we can steal a couple of kids from, from UW or, or Washington State. Um, and I, th- I think, especially for the young players, too, it, just, it takes a little bit of the stress off as well because if you – if you don't have any offers or you've got a plenty uh, like a ton of offers you don't have all that pressure on f- in February you know okay I got to make this choice between five schools where do I go you know this is my entire future both educational you know and degree wise as well as for my football future and this, it takes it off a little bit this, this is where I'm glad you brought up Wisconsin and Minnesota because of how unique they are and this is where North Dakota state just using them as, as an example has won a lot of battles. In Minnesota, the only Division One program is the University of Minnesota. There's no FCS programs. And so you have all Division Twos, which is why the Division Twos are strong. Good Division Two. Good Division great Division Twos. Minnesota State. St. Cloud State. Minnesota Duluth. Yeah. You know, so um you then look at Wisconsin. It's University of Wisconsin and Division Threes. So that's why their Division threes are outstanding. Whitewater, Oshkosh. Bingo. Oshkosh just lost a crazy game this past uh, weekend. That was nuts. By so, the way, shout out to Mount Union for another national championship. What was it, 15 now? Right. Just stop winning. 15 out of 26, I believe. And also a shout out to Texas A&M Commerce for winning the D2 national title. Shout over. out to Luis Perez, outstanding quarterback. Outstanding quarterback. And West Florida, second year of the program, they get to the final. But let's – Shout let's, out to Pete Shinnick. <laughs> let's stay on topic here. <laughs> going back to – But, but, but like, so, so let's say if you're North Dakota State you're, and you see the advantage you have, you go in as an FCS Division One program – with an offer to a kid that's probably going to go Division Two in Minnesota or Division Three in Wisconsin, but has FCS talent. Right. Free school is better than paid school. Yes. You know, so <laughs> Free is better than paid exactly. most days. Exactly. So that's where they can win. However, now if you're, if you're um, 
if you're a team on the cusp. When you look at the Power Five conferences in the FBS, right, that's clear-cut right. elite-level talent, so to speak. Then you look at, the, let's say, you could toss in maybe the American Athletic, a power, so let's say Power Six. You could even toss in the, I, want, I always want to say WAC, but the Mountain West Conference, right. Power Seven. So, But when you're talking about maybe some Conference USA, some Belt, MAC, juxtaposed to the Missouri Valley, the SOCON, the CAA, is yeah. there really that much of a, the Southland, is, that, is there really that much of a difference? I wouldn't say there's a ton of difference. I mean, if, if I'm a kid, even if you're talking about the power, the power six, and obviously uh, Virginia's had a very good year. If I'm a, I have a choice between Virginia and JMU right now, it's close. Even though, I mean, Virginia's is coming up in the world again. It's ACC, is Division One, is you know. They got to a bowl game. National titles sound really, really good and having a ring. Having that ring is a very oh, happy big playing time, draw. and and yeah, and exactly. If you go to Virginia, there's no guarantee, you know, and especially now that a program that is building up, that you might not play until your sophomore year, even with a red shirt. Prime example: Ohio State. They have Haskins on the roster, the outstanding quarterback. Yeah. They also have Tate Martell, who was one of the top recruited players. I think the number one quarterback in the country. Committed, they have Emory Jones, one of the top high school quarterbacks in the country. So. You can only play one at the position. Yeah. Why would you go to Ohio State and probably have to wait until you're Richard? Yeah, you want to compete and say, I can beat out the next guy. I get that. But they're recruiting the number one player every year. Yeah. And so now you're sitting there. You're probably not going to play until your redshirt junior year. So you've been on the pine for three years, some sparse duty. Is it that important to say, hey, I'm an Ohio State Buckeye? Or do you go to Youngstown State and start for four years? Yeah, and, and still ball out and still make the pros. And I think we're going with those big programs. If there's, if you are not the standout guy, that hurts you. I mean, look at I, I as a Jets fan, I'm gonna I'm gonna be spiteful here. Mark Sanchez mm-hmm. played one year as a starter at USC as a junior, and then came out. Did he have a couple good, decent years in the NFL? Yes. Did he turn into a superstar? Absolutely not. Now imagine if he stay, plays. Three years. If, if he was the starter, he's playing three years at USC. But imagine if he instead goes to, let's just throw out a team. Let's talk about Fresno State. Mm-hmm. He probably is starting there all four years. He's got plenty. Of, I mean, he showed plenty of talent. At USC. Imagine that in the Mountain West. He becomes Derek Carr. He or becomes, they become uh, the car. Yeah, he becomes he becomes a car of, exactly. some, of some description. <laughs> and he is probably either he's one more seasoned. You know, again, not against not as good an opponent in the Mountain West as you get in the Pac-12. But you've got the experience under your belt, and you've got four years of moxie to know, okay, this is what I should do, shouldn't do, and you're more prepared. How many of these guys that we see coming on, look at Johnny Manziel. Mm -hmm. What was he, a one-year wonder in college? Won the Heisman Trophy, had one of the best years in college football history. It was one year. Where is he now? I don't know if he's down in Florida partying still somewhere. He about to sign with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and go team up with June Jones. They about to light (laughs) up the CFL. But I think he's not around. So these guys that are one-year... Oh, he started his junior year. He was, you know, he goes in contention for the Heisman. He's winning all these kinds of awards, and that's at any position, not just at quarterback, wide receiver, running back, the whole nine yards. You got a, a team in the Big Ten; they've guys got a stable of running backs that they can go to, and it's great. But you need guy, two or three guys, unfortunately, ahead of you to get hurt if you're going to get playing time. I even tell you this: Let's say you're a kid that you're a really good prospect. Let's say three star, just to put a a, right. a, a title on a three star athlete. You get recruited by Rutgers and JMU. And Monmouth. 
in Monmouth. Monmouth in there. Right. If you're a local boy and you want to stay. Exactly. You want to stay home. Or Stony Brook. Yeah. So, to me, I know Rutgers is D1, Big Ten. But are they really better than JMU, Stony, Monmouth? I take JMU over Rutgers in any game, anywhere. At this so point. that's where kids in this early signing day can. I did a high school game two weeks ago um, in Virginia, uh, right. the, the the playoff game, and one of the kids was. They, we talked about who he was getting recruited by. He was a Rutgers decommit. Mm-hmm. Now, other schools that were in the mix, JMU, yep, you know, uh, East Carolina. So JMU is in there. And these early signing days with these, the best thing they have, the FCS has going for them over some of these borderline recruits is playing time. Yep. That's why West Florida has gotten to the championship game in Division Two. That's why FAU, FIU, South Florida, have Central Florida have popped up and took away a lot of the mystique from Florida, Florida State, Miami. Yep. Playing time. And if you can – not promise, but if you can, you can sell that. You can sell playing time, and with the and I always and I always bring go back to this because you know with the whole coaching inter- interviews that we do, one of the questions I always ask, I always give the coach a chance to sell his program. Like, why would a student athlete choose X Y Z? Because think about it. When I was coming up, it was only you saw Notre Dame on TV, Miami, Florida State, uh, the. Wax school of the the night probably was either BYU or San Diego State, right? Um, in a Big Ten game, Michigan or Ohio State. So, but now everybody's on TV or everybody's on some sort of streaming online. device online. You you lost that advantage, yeah. So now, okay, yeah, my mom can watch me play, my dad can watch me play on their phones. So take that out the equation. I want to play. That's the selling point, and I think that's where the early signing date tremendously benefits now you get a little bit unique with certain schools like the ivy right and patriot league programs like georgetown where okay you may have a, a guy that's a d1 athlete but he's waiting for that offer from stanford northwestern so you technically have to wait so it may hurt a team like georgetown or it may hurt teams in the ivy league Right, um, because you know, one, you have to get into the school. Yeah, the education factor is huge. Right, and you also playing against other FBS schools like Rice, Northwestern, Tulane, and Stanford. So right. that it may be tougher for them, but for everyone else, I think this is a huge benefit to have that early early signing day. Well, we'll certainly be looking forward to that. Uh, and that again, it's all day Wednesday, folks. You got bowl game on Tuesday. You got a bowl game on Wednesday. Will that shift people's decisions? How many f- three and four star recruits? will go to an FCS program. There's always a few that kind of just slip underneath. Rutgers already lost a commit to Princeton. Don't, don't remind me. I Big know. Ten lost to <laughs> Ivy League in a recruiting battle. For a quarterback. Quarterback. Four-star. Four-star. So anything can happen on signing day, folks. Make sure you check that out. It will be going on. Will it be as busy as the signing day in February? We don't know. We'll see how it is. This is the first year of doing it. We'll find out. Again, folks, the SDS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. And now Emory, I want to get into – our last topic of the day, and we're going to talk hypotheticals. I nope. love hypotheticals. Like, hypothetically. Let me give you one. If Mike Tyson fought Muhammad Ali, who wins? Both in their prime. If you say anything other than Mike Tyson, get off the mic. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? I'll give you a hypothetical. If a receiver catches the ball, runs 50 yards, and crosses the plane without being touched, and somehow the ball 
somewhat wiggles. Is that a touchdown? That is a touchdown. Is it, though? Anyway, folks, <laughs> let's talk about this because I was doing – I was having some random research <laughs> as we start bowl season here. Obviously, we had the Celebration Bowl, which was tremendous. We had five bowl games in the FBS on Saturday. We got some more – you know, just it's bowl games from here until after the new year. And I did a little research, and I discovered that, all right, FBS has got plenty of bowl games. Oh, okay, I knew D3 had some bowl games because Springfield's been in a I couple of them. I've called a couple of them in the ECAC and others. And I'm like, wait, D2 has bowl games too? They do. They got the Live United Bowl. Where, where are the FCS bowl games? So we want, I want to talk about this, Emery, real quick. Obviously, the FCS have kind of, well, I wouldn't say mastered the playoff model, but it, it's one of the more consistent playoff models in bigger sports. Uh, in football, obviously, the FBS has been slow, and it's only four teams, and it's controversial. D3, D2, you have a whole totally different process with super regionals and bigger fields and stuff like that. Is it time, do you think, that the FCS adopts the FBS model as a Division One, as a Division One level, and adds bowl games to the repertoire in addition to a playoff? I think so. I think it's time, because you see the amount of excitement the Celebration Bowl generated. You also see the now that we have the two teams in the championship game, JMU and North Dakota State, they don't play until January 6th. So yep. you got a full three weeks until they play again. <laughs> exactly, right? So peop- that's what happens when people forget about the FCS. The FCS is in a situation where they have to keep their, their name hot, relevant, in the minds of many, and also to continue to sell the championship game because with every bowl game that you can create – is another promo for the title game. Oh, yeah, you run that promo six times a game, minimum. Bingo. And so that's what has to happen. And I think when you look at some of these teams that I'm pretty sure you got written down right there, there's some intriguing matchups that people will be interested in seeing, not only as FCS fans, but college football fans. And you have a chance to bring in more money to the FCS, more money into these programs, which then helps recruiting, which then helps the brand, which then helps grows the game. At that level. And you already have, I mean, how many pro prospects do you see every year every, coming out of FCS programs? I mean, you know, you're starting with training camp, but then the number of guys that actually stay on and make an NFL roster. Yep. And you're only going to improve that cha- those chances if you give them more exposure, more playing time, more whatever. Let's look at quarterback Carson Wentz. Let's create a little fantasy team. Quarterback Carson Wentz. Running back Tariq Cohen. Wide receiver Cooper Cup. Those are FCS guys right there. I'm done. That'll work. <laughs> Tight end, Seth DeVell, Princeton, we're done. I'm winning every week. Exactly. And I think what what it is also, you know, it's more attractive to fans. It's more exposure. But it's also, it takes away the, oh, we got snubbed. Because it happens every year. But in the FBS, yeah, you got snubbed from the playoff and you're not winning a national title game. But guess what? You're still going to the Cotton Bowl. Still going to the Sugar Bowl. Still get free stuff. The Rose Bowl. You're getting ridiculously nice free stuff. With the F's, I mean, how many we the rants that we went on people about McNeese <laughs> and Austin <laughs> right. P getting eliminated. But here's the bottom line: this year, with how balanced the FCS was and how good the competition level was, there were 36 teams, 36 that were 500 or better that didn't make the postseason in the playoff. You're telling me you can't come up with at least a few bowl games to get some of those teams a reward? So, all right, let, let's kick this off. You got the teams that made the playoffs, right? Yes. So the next in line would be, like, the let's say the first eight bowl games or something like that. So who right. will be in those, let's say you, or you call it the FCS playoffs, and how do you call it, the group of six bowls? Like you have something the, like that, yeah, the New Year's bowls or the whatever. The New Year's six. So the Elite Eight. 
bowls. The Elite Eight, the Elite Eight FCS Bowls. So I'm, I'm just going down, and, and I, I went through, I actually, I, I went a little nerd on this one. I actually took all 36 teams and broke them down into a, a bowl game, which it was close together, didn't face the same conference at all, and didn't play teams that you play in the regular season. Well, that's the, that's the makeup of bowl season. Matchups that you don't normally see. And also some that have like a regional tie to it. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's I'm I'm interested to see what you got over. There. I haven't seen this list yet, folks, but I'm interested to see what you cooked up over there. Well, the first one I got, and this one I think would be a competitive ball game, Yale versus Delaware. That's a good one. Because again, the Ivy League doesn't get any exposure. At least the MEAC and the SWAC had the Celebration Bowl and they got the SWAC title game. The Ivy League has nothing. Imagine if you got a CAA team and they lose to a team from the Ivy. That would be. <laughs> One, hilarious, but two, I think that's a good ball game because Delaware got snubbed, I think, out of the playoffs. They got snubbed, and Yale is, a, is the Ivy champ, and a good Ivy champ, too. And so. Speaking of good Ivy League teams, how about this one? Another Northeast matchup, and again, the Northeast matchups I thought was going to be hard. It wasn't. Columbia versus Colgate. I like that matchup, too. The only above 500 team from the Patriot League. Patriot League <laughs> against the best story, one of the best stories in FCS this year in Columbia. You the, play that one in Yankee Stadium. You play it at Yankee Stadium. You play it at MetLife. That's a hey, that's a good one. And I, I mean, it's Columbia. They're gonna have the money to spend on tickets. Exactly, <laughs> it's be absolutely fine. Another one again, Ivy League matchup here, but Dartmouth versus Duquesne. You got another eight-win team in Dartmouth against a Duquesne team that bar- barely lost out on their conference to yeah. Central Connecticut. That, you know what? I like that matchup, too. Dartmouth is another one that, I mean, that one, you have a team in Pittsburgh and Duquesne, team in New Hampshire and Dartmouth. You play that one right in Philly. Philly or, you know, you find you find somewhere in the middle. It's easy enough. Now, I know you're all screaming, what about what about Austin P? How about this? Austin P versus Bethune-Cookman. That's a good one because that has recruit ties to it. You got the Florida area exactly. and you got Tennessee. And you play that game right in Georgia. You play that game right in Atlanta. Exactly. Another, another. That's a good matchup, actually, because I think Bethune-Cookman was vastly underrated. They got hot at the end of the, end of the season. Austin P is a good team, you know. I mean, Austin P should be – we should be talking about how well they did in the playoffs committee. Another team we should be talking about in the playoffs, <laughs> and this would be a, a – talk about a recruiting matchup. How about a Louisiana ball game? You know about this one. Southern versus McNeese. In the I-10 Crawfish Boudin Bowl. How about that? That works. Because you have <laughs> Southern <laughs> – Southern was good this year. I love their quarterback, Austin Howard. And McNeese should have been in the playoffs. Plus, Baton Rouge, Lake Charles, only an hour away, hour and hour and a half away from each other. Good recruiting battle. Southland, Swack. Good matchup. Good matchup there. Another one that I, I, thought, I think would be intriguing, how about you take West Carolina. Right. You put them against Howard. Oh, Little bit of a, a little bit of a yeah. twang to that one. You got you can play this at in Washington D.C. Yep. Or you could play it somewhere. You could play in it in Richmond, Salem. You could play it in Salem, yep. where they had the D three Stag. Charlotte. Ball. You got plenty of venues. It's right in the middle. You don't even and, and for these games, folks, I don't think you even need neutral sites. I right. Think you could you just one team hosts whoever wants to host. No, it. you got to have neutral sites. You got to have the whole bowl atmosphere because uh, you got to get free stuff. You got to get the free stuff in there. And Fair that, enough. That, you got to get the free stuff. In free there. stuff is important, but I think that would be an interesting matchup. And another one that I found, came up with. The only problem I had was the West Coast teams. But there's only so few. And we went on a rant early in the season about how we would restart a lot of FCS West Coast programs. But go ahead. yes, but you have basically the big sky dominates the West Coast. But you have a team in Drake who's played San Diego. Mm-hmm. Imagine them picking on Sacramento State. 
that's another good one because I feel like Drake is going to be a, a team to watch for next year. Yes. In the Pioneer. And, you know, you, you put them against a team like this. And here's the thing. Even though it's non-scholarship, it's still Division One athletes. San Diego won their first-round playoff game. They did. They did two years in a row. Against a, against a team from the Big Sky. Sacramento State is real good, too. I think they are a team for next year to keep an eye on. And then one game I also want to throw out there, you talk about recruiting battles. How about this one? You have Liberty versus Richmond. Ooh. Where you have a team in the Liberty. The Jack Daniels Bowl. <laughs> I, I will personally <laughs> call that game if they are sponsoring. Um, but you have Liberty, who is coming out of the Big South, obviously now moving up to FBS, right. taking on a traditional power in Richmond out of the CIA. Again, real close to each other. Virginia is a very competitive state for recruiting. So many schools in that area all fighting over the same players, that's a huge matchup, too. Now, you, you have you have the Jack Daniels Bowl you can go with or the I-95 South Traffic Bowl. Depends I'll, on which I'll one go, you want. I'll go to one for the food and one for the drinks. Okay. How about that? <laughs> works. But I'm, th- I'm telling you, folks, it's I, – and, again, I got the rest of the list. I won't even – I won't bore you with any of that, although I will say that a matchup between North Carolina Central and Campbell would be interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. That would be interesting. I mean, southeastern Louisiana, Alcorn would be a good one. We saw something like that earlier. Uh, did they play this year? I think they might have. But how about no, South- they, they played uh, – Alcorn played McNeese. Alcorn played McNeese, right. And they played them close. So how about this, southeast Louisiana versus Prairie View? That's another good one. And, it, and again, it's not hard. NCAA, you're in this for the money. ESPN is in it for the money because ESPN <laughs> creates these bowl games. Yes, and, and you could put you don't even have to put all of them on TV. Put them on ESPN three. You put you know five or six of them. I mean, this up, upcoming bowl week, we've got one game on Tuesday, we got one game on Wednesday, we got one game on Thursday. Not to say that those games won't be entertaining or competitive, but there's only one. It's only one. So you might as well put on a game at noon. You put in a game at three thirty, and then you have the FBS game as a nightcap. And and the cool part about this, the football side of it, is that. You get more football, and coaches love bowl games because it's more practice time to get your younger players ready for next season. Exactly. If you want to use this as a chance for your as a, for your freshmen or sophomores coming up to play, throw them out there. Exactly. And so it makes too much sense. It, it really does. It, it, you got me excited about these matchups, man, because there's a lot of good teams that don't get to be in the playoffs, and we just created eight bowl games, nine bowl games. You know. And guess what? You get rid of you get rid of the whole we got snubbed. Okay, you did. Fair enough. Right. You still got a bowl game to play. You're still getting free stuff. You're still getting publicity. You still get to play another game. And and, it's, and, it's, and now you have great matchups. Yeah. And with the parody of this it, year. And you know, with bowl games, people go extra hard. The playbooks are completely open. <laughs> you know, you're liable to see anything. Double reverse flea flicker with a twist. We saw in a <laughs> celebration bowl game that in, that featured a SWAC team and a MEAC team, a SWAC passing dynamo in Grambling, score a touchdown out of the T formation. So, again, you're <laughs> liable to see anything in a bowl game. Look at Boise State. They played Oregon. They went with the Statue of Liberty again. Again. It didn't work this time. How but. do you fall for it? You know, you know that's what they come That's their one go-to, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's at the back of the play. It's, a, it's just the play. The play. The play. It's like the fumble ruski <laughs> with, with Florida State. So, but, but you never know what you're going to see. You might find that diamond in the rough that if you get to the, into the draft, again, you always want to be that guy. If you're a diehard fan like we are, mm-hmm. you get to draft day and you get into the fifth round. You know all the players. And they say, so-and-so selected from Eastern Illinois. And the, everybody in your friends is like, who the hell is that? Why would we take it? I'm like, well, 
here's the tape. <laughs> right. Showed the bowl game, and they're like, hmm, hmm, okay, intrigue. This is this is okay now. It makes too much NCAA. This makes too much sense. You get to make more money. That's the only thing that you should need. Shout out to to Craig Haley of Stats FCS. I know he's going to be on board with this idea once he hears it too. He's a good guy. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And again, it gives us more things to talk about. Bingo. We we like to talk. We like to hear ourselves talk. We want to talk more football. Right now, we're in a dead spot until we get. As you said, the FCS title game is not until January what sixth. Sixth. It's it's December eighteenth. Like, what right. are we supposed to do? We're taking the week off next week because we don't have anything else to say. We exactly. can't do anything. You can't do two weeks of a breakdown because we're going to spend a good portion of next week or the following week breaking down the biggest game on the schedule, the championship game. So this is where the bowl games fit in. Now imagine ne- next week instead of having you know instead of I know you all miss us terribly if right. we, as we take our week right, off, right, right. but imagine getting to listen to us as we talk about the bowl preview. Oh my God! The, the FCS, FCS bowl preview show. What review slash preview? Some of them are probably going to come up early. Imagine having that to talk about, and you add that into now. Imagine if you, I know they have that challenge where you can pick FB, every bowl game in the right. FBS. If you get it right, you get some prize, and no one's ever done it. Let's make it harder. Every FCS and FBS game, bowl game you have to pick, and we'll triple the prize money or something like that. Here's the thing, too. You do realize Bristol is only about two hours north of here. It's not hard to get to and go pitch this idea to ESPN. You in? I got something to do after this. No, oh, come on. Now. You just don't, you just don't <laughs> want to, you've already spent an hour with me. That's enough. <laughs> Folks, again, thanks for listening again to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Again, we are taking next week off. Be on, on the lookout for coming this after later this afternoon my interview with bobby lamb of mercer he was gracious enough to open up his program take me on a tour and we sat down and talked football mercer is a program on the rise they got the right man in charge in bobby lamb and i can't wait to, to play that interview for you guys it was a great time going down there uh, this past weekend and again folks you can check all of that out on footballgameplan.com and you can also check it out on youtube slash football game plan for that interview uh with emory and coach lamb but we will be taking next week off. We are going to be preparing ourselves for the biggest game in FCS, the FCS title game in Frisco. We're going to have our man on the ground in here. Brian Sullivan. Brian Sullivan will be here. He will be heading down to Texas, Braves Hall, but a little envious as well. He'll be breaking down this game with us. It's going to be a titanic matchup, folks. You've got two tremendous running games, two tremendous defenses, two great field generals. This is the matchup we wanted. So we're going to take two weeks so we can really break it down and figure it out. We'll be back in two weeks for your FCS title preview. We'll also talk signing day. We'll break down and see what happens. We could have some big prospects heading to the FCS. And we'll talk about what kind of uh, pro prospects we could see in some of the All-Star games. we got All-Star games coming up as well. East-West Shrine game. we got the NFLPA All-Star game coming up. And I will also be the color commentator on the FBS Tropical Bowl down in Daytona Beach, which will also have some FCS players in the mix, and the Globe Bowl All-Star Game, which will feature American Collegiate All-Stars against international All-Stars. So I that's when I when I allude to I won't be here for about a, a month. Uh, <laughs> He's January. international. I will be in uh, Daytona Beach cover, being a color commentator and providing you guys coverage on those two All-Star Games. Oh, life is rough. You have to go to Daytona Beach in oh December. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that's crazy. Uh, I feel so bad. <laughs> Folks, thanks again for listening. I've been David Hassegan for Emory Hunt. We'll see you in two weeks.